You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Everywhere you go, there are expectations placed on you. If you go to a shop, for instance, you are expected to wear a mask. How much is it helping? I don't know. But you gotta wear one. Why? Because it stops people from panicking. (laughs) It's good to follow those rules. If you're going to a shop, you're going to stand in a queue. Or at least I hope you do, because that's considerate. It's respectful of everyone who is there shopping with you and those who are assisting you behind the counter. When you go to a restaurant, you leave a tip, right? You leave a little bit of extra money for the waiter or the waitress, or at least you should leave a tip. I have had to work for tips. It's either very exciting or very disappointing, and yes, you will be judged by the wait staff, and yes you will be remembered by the waitstaff. Now, these are simple examples. But what about the more difficult ones? Maybe, say, like friends who mm, aren't actually friends, but need a small community of people around them or following them that are as nasty, rude, and generally evil as they are. They expect you to hate who they hate, to love what they love, mostly themselves. Or, uh, perhaps a less easy-to-spot version of this, uh, where a relationship where hates and loves are not spoken, but are assumed. Now, this usually happens because people who you find yourself with do not want to be in honest conversation. Because honest conversation leads to truth, and truth leads to change in their lives, and change is dangerous. We want things to stay safe and the same. Better a safe lie than a difficult and life-altering truth. Better to nod, yes or no, uh, in agreement, than to have to correct someone that never wanted to learn about themselves and their problems in the first place. Anchored Baptist Church, uh, we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. This means that in order to understand one another, we sometimes have to switch languages. We have to speak differently so that we hear and understand one another well. This is not always easy. But it is a good exercise so that each of us learn to communicate with others who do not look like, act like, sound like us, or believe like us. Perhaps, though, this same kind of expectation is placed upon you in a bad way out in your vocations. Perhaps you are expected to speak, dress, or act like those around you in order to be accepted to change your accent or the way that you're speaking, to change your personality, to change you name it. Well, here's what Paul has to say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Haughty, it means to act better than, uh, snobbish, proud in one's own position in life. This is something that I do not have to explain to you. We live in Hermanus, and if that sounds a bit harsh, or you want that to sound strange, know that this is a safe place. You don't need to fake surprise. We all know someone who has a fortune and likes to let you know about it in every possible way. We all know someone who finally caught a lucky break and now acts like they are just a step above you and where they used to be. It's that friend of yours that learned a couple of Bible verses, maybe, and now they are a prophet receiving words from the Lord. All of a sudden, they are a man or woman of God, and you are no longer allowed to speak to them in the way that you once did. Oh, and by the way, they have a Mercedes-Benz now. <laughs> it's always a certain school, a certain car or two, a certain neighborhood. This is a kind of haughtiness, a kind of snobbishness that we are very used to here, right? Or perhaps, uh, as I often hear, it sounds like this. Oh, your church meets in Sandby? <laughs> Paul starts off these final verses of the letter speaking to the rich. And this haughtiness, this snobbishness, is not the way that Christians are supposed to act. This is not the way that Christians with money or land or any show of wealth are supposed to act. And there's two things that this tells us. This is always the way rich people are supposed to act out in the world, right? Outside of Christ, this is the way that all people with a little more act towards those with a little less. In fact, this is the way that you must act to fit into and stay inside a circle of elite people, whatever elite looks like to you. And then two, this also tells us that this is always going to be a temptation to hold yourself up higher than those around you. Along with this is also the temptation to place your hope, trust, and comfort, your, your faith in uncertain things like riches. Riches come and go, and even if you get to keep your riches your whole life, you die. And all the riches in the world certainly do not do any good then. So then, where do we find certainty? Where do we find our hope? Where do we place our trust, our faith? On God. In God, the one who is the giver of all good gifts, the one who richly gifts to us everything to enjoy. So hold on, does, does Paul dislike riches and rich people? No, not at all. I don't think that's where this passage is taking us. Is Paul one of these rich people? No, not at all. In fact, it sounds like anything that you have is a gift from God and should be enjoyed. 
And our very next question is, but aren't there limits to this enjoyment of the gifts? Are there limits to how much enjoyment we can take in what God has gifted? The short answer is no, as long as you are generous. What did Paul say? They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Is Paul saying that if rich people are generous now and give everything away to those in need, that then they will be even more rich in heaven? Or, as long as we do good works, then we're certainly going to be blessed in a special way? No. On both accounts. What is the treasure that the rich store up for themselves? It's the same treasure that in just a couple of verses we will read Timothy has been entrusted with. That is trusted to take care of. It is life in Christ. It is a life that knows it has been saved by the bleeding work of Jesus on the cross. Paul here is saying that riches can shelter you from the real world outside. Riches can even shape your world. But riches are not true life. You have to find what is truly life in Jesus. If your arms are filled with riches, how in the world will you be able to fight the good fight of the faith like Paul has encouraged Timothy? If your hands are guarding your fat wallet all day long, how in the world are you going to have a free hand to share with anyone else around you? Now, this is not a particularly high standard that Paul is setting. In fact, he's not making many rules for the rich here. He's not making many rules that are different for anyone else that isn't rich. We are all called to do good works. We are all called to be rich in those good works. But here is something that we can say about what Paul is getting at here. The first of which is that Involvement in the local church for all Christians is important, and it is also assumed that rich and poor people and everyone in between will be attending church together. It is assumed that God's people will learn to care for one another as they live this true life together, and as they learn what this true life looks like together. And then a second thing that I think we see here is that riches can be such a distraction to the life of faith and such a trap that they can lead you straight to hell. <laughs> it's like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up or don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either 
he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, does this mean that the rich are more prone to judgment instead of salvation? Not at all. The bad news from God is that we are all sinners who deserve death and judgment. We are all rebels who push away from God and his salvation in Jesus. The good news is that God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. God offers and requires equal opportunity judgment. <laughs> and yet, the blood of Jesus equally covers over all the different sins of all the different kinds of people in this world. And to prove that he desires salvation for all, Jesus gave himself as a ransom, as a satisfying payment for all. He did that for you. And then we come to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 to 21. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. O Christian, hold on tightly to the gift of true life that you have been given in Christ. It's God's treasure that he has placed in your care. But wait a second, if it's God's treasure, how could it be lost or stolen? What's Paul worried about? Well, Paul tells us that anything other than Christ, actually everything other than Christ, will try to make you ignore the deposit that you have been given. We can successfully allow anything in the whole world to get between us and Jesus, and you know that yourself. This has been a theme throughout the whole letter. Be careful of what you give yourself to because Jesus has given himself to and for you. Yet once again, Paul has to remind us that we are willingly giving ourselves to nearly anything, even if it offers only temporary or empty hope. I like to picture Timothy like a soldier that got parachuted into this church. <laughs> and when he landed, uh, when he was there fighting the good fight of the faith, he realized that every problem in the church was nonsense compared to the truth of Jesus' person and work for that church and its members. Paul calls out what Timothy has seen close up, that this church so badly needs hope and comfort and assurance, and yet their heads are getting filled with knowledge, which is nonsense. It's a bunch of hot air. But seemingly, uh, simple hot air has actually led some people out of the church and out of the faith to judgment. This is not hard to understand for me. I talk to non-Christians all the time who are hung up on something that is not central to our faith at all. Or they are distracted by things that are not Jesus. And I get upset in the conversations. I want to say, come on, just get over it. Repent and believe. <laughs> but that's impatient, right? <laughs> it's ungracious. And it's then that I realize that 
whatever kind of so-called Christians that they had known before led them to believe that this kind of mindless babble, this kind of thing that contradicts the truth and the faith, this kind of so-called knowledge was all these so-called Christians were talking about. Complete and utter nonsense. <laughs> Anchored, pray that we as a church never get caught up in the nonsense of it all. Pray that you do not get distracted by the the timelines and the news of the of the end and the lies about the word of God, the prophecies with no real meaning, the riches or just life itself. Hold fast to Jesus. Fight the good fight of the faith. I was reading a book this week, uh, just a part of a book, about Japanese samurai. You know, the, the warriors with the swords. And, and how there was a large group of them that became Christians in the 17 and 1800s. The samurai rightly understood that a warrior was meant to end conflict and war, not to start it. And for them, this fit into their new Christian lives. Well, Timothy here has been called into the fight as a warrior to end the conflict. Not to start something, something was already started by these false teachers, but to finish it and to set everyone straight about Jesus. And this is just what he is doing. He is ending the nonsense. He's ending the conflict. He's fighting the good fight. He's holding tight to the deposit gifted to him. You need to do the same, church. But how are you going to do it? Through your sheer willpower and strength. I never get distracted. I never turn away. No, you're only going to do it through grace. Paul ends by simply saying grace to you. Now, this can be translated like your Bible probably says. Grace be with you all. And that's good. It, it, everyone that reads this letter, grace be with you all. But it could also be read like this. Timothy, grace is going to carry you and everyone that you are leading through. Now, what is this grace that's going to be with them and carry them through? The gift that is Jesus for them. The grace that we have received in the blood of Christ. The blood that he bled for you to cover each and every one of your sins to atone for all the ways that you do not measure up, to forgive you for all the nonsense that you dwell in, to correct that act that you put on, those expectations that you try to live up to. For all of it, Jesus says you are forgiven. Jesus has given you true life, which you should not trade for anything. Forgiveness and salvation are yours in him. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.